0: Thanks guys, gals, they have too much fun up here, don't they? (laughs) Can't have too much fun in God's house. Thank you so much for being here today to worship the Lord and to listen to God as He speaks to our heart and encourages us. If you're visiting with us, we're glad you're here. If you're uh, coming today to have a good time with a picnic a little bit later on, we're going to have a great time. I think they're going to flip some hamburgers and some hot dogs trying to figure out which one's round and which one, you know. Anyway, y'all will get that later. <laughs> <laughs> they were actually having that discussion the other day, though. That that wasn't my discussion. That was their discussion. And I'm trying to figure that out, you know. It's, it's really simple, you know. It really is. Joyce and I were eating the other day in one of our local establishments. We go there quite often and Something happened the other day that I'd not seen before in that particular place. I I saw an individual come in with, with a backpack on his back and he had some things in his hand and he was obvi- obviously a homeless person. He stepped up to the counter and, and he whispered something to the lady behind the cash register, and I saw her quickly moving to try to take care of him. Um he needed food. She fixed him something to drink, and and they were busy doing some other things. And when our waitress came over to us, I said, "I'll be glad to pay for him some food, if if he needs some food." And and the waitress said, "I'll I'll tell the lady behind the, the counter." Well, obviously they already had a a plan, and I'm sure there are people who have come in there asking for that from time to time, but. They fixed him a a little box pizza and gave him a drink and, and out the door he went. I sat there and I thought, you know, oh, but for the grace of God, that could be me. We have far more than we can ever use. He didn't have anything except what he could carry. How many of us feel blessed today? I mean, you know, have you ever just really stopped to consider just how blessed you really are? When was the last time you did a a blessing count survey inventory? Have you ever considered that you could be blessed and not feel it? How in the world can you know on an intellectual level that you're indeed very blessed and yet on an emotional and practical level just not feel blessed at all? If you were to talk to a lot of people, you'd find that that's where they're living. But I want to give you a spiritual truth this morning as we begin this message. You're blessed whether you feel it or not. You're blessed whether you feel it or not. You really have to be careful with feelings. I've told people that for years. you got to be careful with how you feel. Your feelings can literally deceive you. Besides that, the devil knows how to manipulate how we feel. He can play on our emotions. He can, he can steal our joy. He can rob us of peace. One of the unfortunate side effects of not feeling blessed is that you can lose the ability to enjoy the blessings that are right in front of you. And when you do that, you wind up living your life miserable and ungrateful. And that is a pretty common experience in today's culture. Some people have so much in life, but they feel so empty rather than feel blessed. We all know people who materialistically are blessed beyond measure, who never seem to be satisfied or fulfilled. Solomon says, it is better to have little with the fear of the Lord than to have great treasure with turmoil. Well, that's wisdom. Friends, you can be flat broke and still be spiritually wealthy. On the flip-flop side of that, you can also be extremely wealthy and yet be spiritually bankrupt. Which one are you? Which one do you want to be? Listen to what Solomon wrote. He said, the blessings of the Lord make a person rich. The blessings of the Lord are what makes you rich. The psalmist wrote, how happy are those who fear the Lord, all who follow His ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor, how happy you will be, how rich your life. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine flourishing within your home. And look at all those children There they sit around your table as vigorous and as healthy as young olive trees. That is the Lord's reward for those who fear Him. What the psalmist is reminding us of here is that that God blesses people who fear Him. People who fear Him. Now I'm not talking about those who, I'm not talking about being scared to death of the Lord. We don't need to be scared of God, amen? We need to be wanting to come into His presence and willing to do that. Folks, God would rather have a warm and intimate relationship with us. He wants to know you, and He wants you to know Him. To fear God is to respect God. It's to have a reverence for God. That's kind of what Ronnie was talking about with the slow music in the beginning of the service. You come into the house of God expecting to encounter Lord, the Lord, and you come in with that right frame of mind. You come in with a quiet and still spirit expecting to meet God. God's goal for you and me is that we would learn to take Him serious and that we would govern ourselves under His divine rule. Listen, you can't do that from a distance. You can't do that unless you come into God's presence. It's only done by embracing our relationship with God with personal commitment and accountability. It's what we call church life. The psalmist points out, That the person who chooses to fear God will enjoy his work and his life, his wife, his children, his family. Based on what the psalmist tells us, if we're going to, to know that we're blessed, and if we're going to feel that we're blessed, and if we're going to enjoy God's blessings in our life, then the very first thing we need to do is to choose to live with a healthy and reverent respect of God. Pastor Trevor Barton wrote these words about this. He said, the key to enjoying life's greatest blessings is first to recognize and enjoy the greatest blessing of all, and that is our Heavenly Father. We need to learn to enjoy Him. Oh, my friends, what a great God we have. What a great God we have. I want you to look at what the Apostle Paul writes about us and about our great God in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul wrote how we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we belong to Christ. Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the wonderful kindness that he's poured out on us because we belong to his dearly beloved son. He is so rich in kindness that he purchased our freedom through the blood of his son and our sins are forgiven. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. I want you to look back with me at verse 3 where Paul reminds us that We are so blessed to know and to be known by God. He said, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we belong to Christ. All praise to God. This is Paul's way of instructing us to give God the praise that he deserves. We should speak well of God because of all that God has done for us throughout our lives. God alone is worthy of our praise and our worship. And and friends, all of this is simply because we as Christians are in Christ. We are blessed by God simply and specifically because we have chosen to be in Christ, to have that relationship with him. You know, most often we consider some of our best blessings in life to be those things that we can see and taste and touch and smell and hear. Most of us are so abundantly blessed with our spouse, with with our children, and pets, and water, and and electricity, and a a dry place to sleep and live, with food to eat, and heat and air, and you could just go on and on talking about the blessings that we enjoy. We all have far, far more than we deserve. So taking time to count our blessings can certainly help us to remain grateful to God because everything that we have comes from the hand of God. But you know what? The absolute greatest blessing that a believer has, it can't be seen, it can't be touched, you can't smell it, you can't taste it. Paul referred to these unseen and untouched blessings as spiritual blessings. Spiritual blessings. And they are the blessings from God that we have received in and through Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. In Christ, we have been justified. Oh, I love that word. We could preach a sermon just on that word justified. God treating us just as if we had never sinned. Do you do that? Most of the time when people wrong us, we begin to ignore them. We begin to shut them. We begin to stay away from them. Friends, we've sinned against God. But in Christ, God treats us just as if we'd never done anything wrong. I can't do that yet. I'm not God, but God can do that. He is an awesome God. In Christ, we have been chosen to belong to God. In Christ, we are fully uh, loved by God. In Christ, we are completely forgiven. In Jesus Christ, we are completely redeemed. In Christ, we have become children of God and now are part of the family of God. In Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. I want you to... Stop and unpackage that word, eternal life, with me for just a moment. Most of us, from time to time, uh, go into grocery stores. You ladies go in there all the time. Sometimes you send us men. (laughs) Well, I want you to do this. The next time you go into a grocery store and you're waiting in line to check out, I want you to see if you can find a magazine cover that doesn't address the subject of exercise or diet. In a grocery store. Now, you know, think about that. You're going to be hard-pressed to be able to do that. You really will. You and I both know that staying fit and eating healthy are very, very important. But listen, neither one of those or the combination of those will guarantee us good health, right? That's right. Well, guess what? The Lord does not guarantee any of us good health here on earth. We, we think we deserve that, but he doesn't guarantee that. Well, let me tell you what he does guarantee. He guarantees you eternal life with him that never ends. This is not our final destination, praise God. <laughs> this is not my final body. I love that. Wrap your mind around the thought of eternal life. That's life with God in heaven that never ends. Friends, if you have eternal life, you don't have to worry about it being snatched away from you like a yo-yo because of something you did or didn't do. If you're a recipient of eternal life, you don't have to get up in the morning and say, am I still saved? If you have eternal life, you don't have to worry about losing it sometime during the daytime. In Christ, God has blessed us with a secure eternal life. That means simply that He has started a work in you that He has promised to finish. No wonder the Apostle Paul praised God for all of these thoughts about these realities and these blessings from the Lord. Listen, we are so blessed to know God. We are so blessed to know God. And we're so blessed that God knows us. Mm. How great is our God. Paul wrote these words. But the person who loves God is the one that God knows and cares for. It's important to love God. When you look on in this passage of Scripture to the Ephesians, In verse 4, Paul talks about how we're so blessed to be included in God's great plan. To be included in God's great plan. One of the most amazing blessings that we have as believers is the fact that God loves us and chose us in Christ before He created the universe. The scripture says long ago, even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. These are some pretty awesome words that should invite us to begin our day with praise on our lips and with gratitude on our hearts. In in the original Greek, the root word for the word blessed is the idea of good. Good. So think about this with me. You and I agree that our Heavenly Father has given us everything good. He has blessed us. So doesn't it make sense that we, the recipients of that good, should then return the blessings uh, by expressing good words and good thoughts and good actions toward God? I mean, He's blessed us. Shouldn't we bless Him in return? Amen? We should. I want you to look with me at verse 4 again. And I want you to notice that, that Paul describes two specific good gifts that we have received because of our relationship to Jesus Christ. Here's number one. All of us have been invited to experience redemption. All of us have been a, a, invited to experience redemption. Look at, look at what it says. It says God loved us. Well, who is us? Everyone. God loves us. And He chose us. Who is us? Anyone. In Christ. friend. if you live very long, then you probably, at some point in your life, suffered some kind of rejection. Some kind of rejection. Somebody's rejected you. Our teenagers are troubled with that all the time. Being rejected. Living through that. Learning that they can have life after rejection. is a, tar- a hard thing for them. Throughout life you're going to meet people who are going to push you away and abandon you and reject you. But I want you to understand, based on what Paul says in God's Word, God loves you so much that He never wants you to experience rejection from Him. And he demonstrated that through his love for you on the cross. Favorite verse. Probably yours. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. Who is the world? Us. That he gave his only son so that everyone. Who is everyone? Us. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Peter wrote similar words when he said, The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise to return, as some people think. No, He's being patient for your sake. He's waiting on you. He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish. Anyone. No matter who they are, no matter what's the color of their skin, what language they speak, where they live, what they have or don't have anyone. He does not want anyone to perish. So he's giving more time for everyone to what? Repent. To turn around and come to him. Another favorite verse that I have is Romans ten thirteen. It is the last verse in that what we call the Roman road. How a person comes to know Christ. Says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, anyone. You can circle that word, anyone. That's inclusive of you. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. What an invitation. Oh, what a great God we have. He hasn't forgot about us. He's thinking about us. Another thought comes to mind. He also wants you to realize that he has a plan for your life. The scripture says you have been saved to be holy and without fault in his eyes. I mean, think about that. Before God ever created the world, He was already thinking about you. That just blows my mind. Do you you have any idea how many gazillion people have lived on this planet? I can't hardly keep up with all the people of our church, let alone all the people of the world. And God knows every one of us by name. He knows every person who's ever lived or is living or will live already. He knows that. So he's already thinking about you before he created the world. And he knew you were going to sin. And because of that, he knew that he had to form a rescue plan to be able to redeem you back and bring you back into an acceptable relationship with him. Pastor Mark Hoover wrote these words. He said, the perfect son of God took our sin on himself so that his spotless record of righteousness could be inserted under our name. Wow! Oh, thank you, God, for your great plan to rescue us and include us into your special plan. Paul wrote Timothy these words. He said, it is God who saved us and chose us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan long before the world began, to show his love and kindness to us through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the coming of Christ Jesus, our Savior, who broke the power of death and showed us the way to everlasting life through the good news. Paul wrote these words, he said, when I think of the wisdom and the scope of God's plan." I mean, this isn't a little rinky-dink plan. This is the plan of the ages. When, it, when I think of the scope of God's plan, Paul said, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. Oh, what a great God we have. He thinks of everything. When You read on in Paul's words in verse 5, we find that we are so blessed to be adopted into God's great family. He says in verse 5, His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave Him great pleasure. The, The word adopt generates two important thoughts in my mind. Here's the first. If I need adopting, if you need adopting, you know what that tells me? It tells me that I am outside of the family of God. Most people don't think about that. But listen, you're either in the family or you're outside the family. And if I need adopting, that means I'm outside the family. That is what our choice of sinning against God does to us. It puts us outside the family. Sin separates us from God. Well, it also tells me that God must really love me if He wants to adopt me. You don't just adopt somebody you don't love. We've got several families in our church that have adopted kids. They didn't do that just as a practice, they did it because they love kids and they love the kids that they're adopting. For someone to be adopted in the ancient world was. It clearly meant that they received the same rights, the same privilege, the same inheritance that any natural-born adult son would have. So think about it. We are adopted as God's sons and daughters into the family of God. We've been brought in, and we have all the rights that you know, any other Christian would have. He, he, here's the blessing in this. Our, our adoption into the family of God is, is purely an act of God's grace. We don't deserve to be in the family of God. We've been given that privilege. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul wrote these words. God saved you by His special favor when you believe. What is special favor? It's grace. Saved you by grace. God gave you something you didn't deserve. And you can't take credit for this, Paul says. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Grace is the amazing unmerited favor of God. It's all about God giving us something that we do not deserve. And that may be news to you, but let me give you a little bit more news. I'm going to start with the bad news. The bad news is we're all sinners, right? We're all sinners who desperately need a Savior. And the worst news is that there's nothing we can do to change that. In our own ability, there's nothing that we can do to change the fact that we've sinned against God. That's the worst news of all. Let me give you some good news. You don't have to do anything about it. You don't have to do anything to acquire salvation. Why? Because the best news is Jesus has already done everything that needs to be done for you to be forgiven and saved and brought into the family of God. He's done everything. All you have to do is trust him and accept him and his free gift of grace. That is the way grace works. That's not the way the world wants grace to work, but that's the way grace works. It's all free and there's no strings attached to it. You you can't earn it. You can't buy it. You simply receive it as a gift. A gift from God. Chris Dixon said, Grace is the unconditional favor of God to an undeserving sinner. What a powerful statement. You know, so many people have a hard time understanding the grace of salvation. So many people. If you were to go out on the streets of Smithville and take a microphone and begin interviewing people and ask for them to spell for you salvation, a lot of people would spell it this way. D-O. Do. Do. That's how they'd spell salvation. Do. Thinking that there's a whole list of things that you have to do to be saved. Things like joining the church. Being baptized. Giving a tithe. Serving on a ministry team. They think you've got to do certain things in order to be saved. There are also people that would spell salvation, D-O-N-T, don't. Thinking that if you can go through life and you don't do certain things, then you're automatically going to make it into heaven. What things are you talking about, Pastor? Well, things like murder, murder, adultery, stealing, embezzlement. I mean, we can go a whole list. Hmm. How would God spell salvation? I think God spells salvation, D-O-N-E. Done. Done. Not do, not don't, but done. You're you are saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. another one of those verses that I learned early on is Ephesians 4:30. It reads and do not bring sorrow to God's holy spirit by the way that you live. But remember, he is the one who identified you as his own. He put that seal on you. He is the one who identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Another translation says your soul has been sealed by the indwelling Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. Oh, what a great God we have. You look at verse 6, Paul goes on to talk about how God has blessed us by pouring out His great grace on us. So we praise God for the wonderful kindness that He's poured out on us because we belong to His dearly loved Son, in his great kindness, God poured out his grace on us. And, you know, no one knew that any more than the Apostle Paul. I mean, Paul, Paul didn't, rem, didn't forget about where he came from. He remembered his roots. He remembered his past. We knew Paul, and you, you read about Paul in, in the book of Acts, as Saul. Saul was a Christian killer. He had, he had letters from the governor to go and arrest people and put them in prison or even to take their life. That's how he began. But notice what he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. He said, whatever I am now. He hadn't forgot where he came from. But he said, whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor, his grace on me, and not without results. He said, for I have worked harder than all the other apostles, and yet it was not I. But God, who was working through me by His grace. Can I just say it this way? It doesn't matter where you are when God calls you to salvation and to service. It doesn't matter where you are. Literally, no one was more unfit and more unqualified uh, to serve God than the Apostle Paul. And Paul understood that. But you see, it was God's grace that changed and then shaped Paul's life Fitting him for kingdom service. God knew where Paul was. God knew what Paul was. But God in his grace and mercy saved him anyway. And turned his whole life around. It is the appreciation of God's grace that should empower us. and, And motivate us as Christians to serve Christ. Listen, Paul didn't care about whether or not he received the credit. For the spreading of the gospel as long as the good news was, was preached and proclaimed, and sinners were saved and brought into the kingdom of God. Oh, what a great God we have. It's not about us, it's about Him. If you look on in verse 7, you find that God blessed us by giving us freedom through the great sacrifice of Christ. He says, He is so rich in kindness that He purchased our freedom through the blood of His Son, and our sins are forgiven. The New King James Version reads this way, In Him, in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. In Him we have redemption. The word redemption simply means to buy back, to release, to purchase, to set free, by paying a price. God chose to purchase our freedom. And give us salvation. And he did so on the cross. We, we all have a sin, date, sin debt. That, that had to be paid in full. But only God could pay that price. You see. The price of sin. Is death. And when you sin that first time. It means you and all the rest of us deserve to die. That is the cost, the price of sin. The truth is, our sin left us all dead to God, separated from God, alone from God. But God in His marvelous grace paid the ultimate price for you and me. And He literally sent His Son, Jesus, to die our death on the cross. We we deserve to be on that cross. Jesus willing, he shed his blood, and he gave up his life in order to buy his freedom. I love what Steve Flockhart wrote. He said, you are so valuable to God that he sent his only son to shed his blood and make this purchase possible. He said, your value is not dependent upon your own estimation of yourself or the fickled opinion of other people. Your value is based on the love of God. That's grace. Grace is always based on who God is and what He has done and not on who we are or what we have done. Oh, what a great God we have. You look at verse 8. Paul goes on to say, We've also been blessed to have showered on us God's great kindness. He said, He has showered His kindness on us along with all wisdom And understanding. The the word for kindness in the Greek is krestos. It means goodness. It means graciousness. If you're going to be kind, it means that you would be good to someone. You would be gracious to them. You would do for them what they do not deserve. Oh, we have no problem giving people what they deserve but when we give people goodness when they don't deserve it, that is a hard thing for us to do. You see this example, this, this goodness and kindness of God toward each of us as we read this verse of Scripture, Romans 5.8. Paul wrote, But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were what? Still sinners. Still sinners. Hard to imagine that when Jesus went to the cross, he knew you were going to live. And he knew every sin you were ever going to commit. How how did he know that? Well, number one, he's God. But number two, you have to understand that when he went to the cross, he became accountable for your sin. He took all of the sin you've committed already, plus whatever sin you've committed today and whatever sin you'll commit in the future, He took that on Him that day at the cross and He paid the price for your sin. Sin's price is what? Death. He died for you that day so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be free. Jesus gave us His best when we were at our worst. Wow. David the psalmist wrote, the Lord is righteous in everything he does. He is filled with kindness. Kindness. He is so full of kindness that he has enough that he can shower it on us. I love it when I receive that kind of kindness. Both from God and from people. Amen? We like for people to be kind to us, right? The Bible tells us to be good and do kind things. And worship God. All of the kindness of the Lord is refreshing. It is a blessing. What an incredible description of the Father's heart for us His children. Throughout the Bible, as you read the Bible, you find that, that it, it describes for us how kind and how gracious our God is. We were, um, we were standing outside another place waiting to get in to eat, and, and, and I saw these two little kids over in the corner with with their mom and dad and one of the little girls was getting a little unrowdy and all of a sudden the mom just hollered something out and everybody heard it and I thought, Wow. Never had God holler at me that way. God is slow to anger. He is great in mercy. He's full of kindness. If you by chance are someone who struggles with a need to perform well in order to earn the love and the grace and the approval of God, then, then I can assure you these words will provide for you an opportunity to experience His great freedom. Friends, I, I don't know how to say it any other way, and I, I, I'm, I'm wrapping this up, but I want you to hear this God's love for you is unconditional, it's unconditional. We don't understand that. Because everything our culture teaches us today is that I can like you and maybe love you as long as you do just what I want you to do. But God doesn't do us that way. He loves us in spite of how lovable we are. Some of us need to get up in the morning and look in the mirror. And not just look at hair and makeup and things like that. We need to look in the heart. Because some days we're just not very lovable, right? God still loves us. The beautiful thing about God's love is that there's nothing that you can do to make God love you more. Absolutely nothing. He already loves you, and His love is complete. You can't do anything to make Him love you more, and you will never do anything to make Him love you less. God loves you. God loves you. David David's cry of praise and thanksgiving for the Lord's goodness fueled his heart of worship. And you know what? My prayer is this, this morning. My prayer is that we would all remember and reflect on and trust the promises of God while gratefully calling on Him who is always near us. I thank God when I walk into this building that I can sense the Lord's presence. When we gather, we're here with the Lord. Where two or more are gathered together, what did he say? I will be in your midst. This building does not hold my God. But God joins us here. Amen. And it's such a good thing to be able to come and join him. I love this verse, Romans five twenty-one. Listen to what it says. So just as sin ruled over all people, that simply means we all have sinned, and brought them to death. Now God's wonderful kindness rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, what a great and wonderful God we have. All of us are blessed by God to some degree. We're blessed to be able to have the opportunity to be saved. We're also blessed if we're saved to have the opportunity to serve and to share so that others can come to know Him. Oh, what a wonderful God we have. I pray that you know Him and that you serve Him.